0: Welcome to Mad Women. I'm your host, Maria Cook, Well, we will be discussing the joys and the challenges of family. I have with me today some amazing women who will also share their perspective on this very topic. Thank you for joining me today, Ann and Kelly. And we're just going to have a conversation about being mothers. I know that I'm a mother. Once upon a time, I was a single parent. I have a blended family. You are a married couple, and
1: I would like for you to share your story. So we adopted two boys who, they were our very first foster placement, and okay. they just never left. Okay, perfect. <laughs> and they have brought joy okay. and challenges, and I think being a lesbian couple and having boys who have challenges, I think is, presents a different challenge within even advocating for them in schools. Exactly. And so teachers sometimes don't really know how to approach us or you exactly. know their uniqueness of course and you know and i think us being women we don't, we don't make as much as men exactly and so that is you know
0: it adds a little to it comes with its own also comes with its own challenges as mm-hmm. well what do you think kelly i know me and you like we had the conversation and you you just felt like you were just at wit's end on just, you know, the challenges and I can resonate to, you know, to a a whole level. Um, What are some of the things that you feel that, as well as what Ann has said, that are challenges too?
2: Uh, Well, we have two sons. Uh, When we got them uh, placed in our home, they were 10 months and one was shy of being four by two months or three months and yeah so they were very young and the oldest um, who was almost four uh, had they both have special needs okay uh, and the one who uh, was the oldest had the most special needs I would say and um, so it was unique we'd never had children before so it was my first time being a mother Um, and so we kept them in, to the, in the foster system. Uh, I think we did that for about two and a half years. Okay. Uh, and then they stayed in our placement until we adopted them.
0: So the joys were there. It was where, you know, a couple, we got we got children, family complete, right? Right, right. <laughs> but those are the joys. Real, reality set in. Right. Reality set in real quick. Yeah. And The challenges come because tell us some of the things I know, you know, of course, I am a biological mother, but and I have my own challenges as well with my daughter, but and my son. But tell me some of the things that you feel that even if someone was listening to want to adopt a child, what are some of those challenges?
1: Well, (laughs) (laughs) give it to me. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a social worker yeah. by education and mm-hmm. profession and even supervising, I supervise foster care. I was not prepared. Wow. <laughs> I was not prepared. Wow. It. You have to be a detective. You have to be a cheerleader. You have to be mediator uh, it but on a whole level that is just so it's huge it's because you have foster workers you have the family the biological family that you have to take in it, okay. they they present challenges but ultimately you have to be on the same team because it's about what's best for the boys. Exactly. And so maneuvering that brought challenges and the boys need to see that they're not they're not in trouble, they're not that, you know, they're now part of your family, which mm-hmm. means their biological family is part of your family Exactly. and our oldest, he had, he was just shy of four, but he had very vivid memories of okay. being with his biological family. Okay, And so he knew what it was like, he remembered. And Tanner so, was just a baby. So you he know, had he, the trauma.
0: So yeah, your oldest son had the trauma. Oh he, yes. He had, so he, with that adoption came the trauma.
1: Yeah, I think the trauma happened, <laughs> the trauma happened really from when he was very young of course. and he was a four-year-old who had to be a an adult best friend to his parent. Exactly. And so, to get him to go back into being a little boy. Exactly. And you don't have to control everything, mm-hmm. it's it's okay. We had to, you know, it was a struggle for, but then at the same time, developmentally, he didn't know how to run. He didn't know how to play. Oh, wow. So, you know, he, developmentally, he was just a, you know, a baby, like a little guy who had to learn these things that, you know, yeah. most kids are not. I think you brought up a
0: very interesting topic and in when you said something about just really, um, where just the kid, you know, having them and understanding where, you know, everybody, when you, whether you have a child, whether you adopt a child it's where he didn't know how to actually give that because Mm -hmm. of the trauma that he had experienced with his Mm -hmm. previous family. But you and Kelly, y'all came with love, ready Mm. to love and just still give that same joy. Mm -hmm. And so how do you feel, uh, what resources do you feel that could be available for families? Um, And I want to specifically talk about families of same-sex couples, Mm. because that's a challenge in itself.
1: Well, when it I don't think people realize the numbers of gay couples who take in children from foster care. Exactly. It is it is a good percentage. Mm -hmm. But the system is not it hasn't come along as gay rights have advanced, the system is has lagged. Exactly. I think the fact that we are legally married has brought some validation okay. that the system now has to work with, whereas before they could say, you're going to be the parent, you're a roommate in the home. Exactly. And that's how they maneuvered it. But For us, even the parents, they were not so excited about having two women care for their children. Um, It came to a head in one family meeting and the biological mom, you know, basically said she does not want Mm. two women raising her children. Oh, wow. And... I wasn't surprised, but we had gotten her boys through two years at that point. Okay. And we were very inviting for her. You know, she could call and vent to us. She okay. could, you know, we wanted to be supportive of her okay. and respectful of her as the biological mom. Okay. And so, but what was interesting after her explosion in the meeting, she called later that evening mm. to say she was sorry, okay. and that she did not mean for that to come out how it came out, and so she. I think, I think people get to know you as people, and I think when they get to know you, gay becomes kind of back. Drop, it's you are front and center exactly so it's it becomes less but the system is not ready to really move with the times and even services therapists don't always know how to navigate that and you know who, what does he call you what does he call you and when we say mom and mama it, you know, they look like, and so then they start referring to us in our <laughs> by our first names and the boys are, you know, they look like, Confused. that's not yes. Yes. how this I th-
0: is. I think, <laughs> and, and it's so, it's sad that our, that our society still thinks that everything has to be traditional. Mm-hmm. What is tradition? I remember when, um, I moved to Atlanta, and I have I had an apartment, but I didn't want to live where I lived at. And so my uncle is actually, uh, my uncle's gay. And so him and his partner, they were living together, and his partner is white. But I love living with my uncle. My uncle spoiled me to <laughs> death. I was, like, grown, working, he... Literally brought the food to my room, and oh, his, his partner. <laughs> but, but his partner would always pick my son up from school because he worked from home. And he was IT. Very, very smart. Mm-hmm. But it was where, and, and my, they lived in a very, very nice neighborhood. And I'm going to just gonna be honest. It was a white neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And But they wanted to know more about what was going on in our house. So much so to the point that my son actually was painting one day at home with my uncle, cause they would take him everywhere. They would take him to the zoo. I didn't have to do anything. It was like, I was a parent, but I was like a part time parent, but I was working and I was in school and like, they literally helped me, but it was where they felt that here's a black boy with a white guy And it's a same-sex couple in the house. Something got to be going on. Mm. So my son was painting one one weekend because they were all there, was having a picnic in the backyard, and he got some paint on his arm. It was blue paint, purple paint. We didn't even know it because when he took a shower. He went to school that next week. They sent defects to our house. Yeah, But it was like they sent defects to our house, not just because they thought he was abused, because they was asking him questions. He never showed any signs of abuse. They just wanted to come in the house, mm-hmm. and D came in, and they was like, the lady was like, "Do you have room for another niece?" <laughs> <laughs> I got two kids too. <laughs> like, you know, like my uncle had a a big house. He, there was no no reason for me to ever suspect that my uncle would ever do anything like that. My mom was a single parent. My dad, my uncle raised me. He would do my hair better than my mom. <laughs> so it was never a question that I would never allow my uncle or even his partner to even be able to have that. And my son remembers that. And believe it or not, my son, he respects same-sex couples just as... W- just as much as everybody. Mm-hmm. He's a very, very, you know, open minded person because he, he
2: understood it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's more so a fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's well uh, I think where we came from when we had the boys, it was Wisconsin. Okay. And Wisconsin is very rural and very white. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and so that means that they're a little more conservative also. We lived in the county that was small, okay. the next county over was the big population, and it was fifty thousand people. So that's not very big, <laughs> um, and so people weren't used to, you know, same-sex couples. Exactly. So that caused, you know, us to have some. I think we have to do more work than they have to do sometimes, right to be accommodating. Yes. Um, so, and I've always been able to function with uh, heterosexuals yes. um, easily. Um, but sometimes I feel like we have to do more of the work to make people feel comfortable. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: I think those are some of the things that even for me, it was, and even for you, like just listening because you, you've, you've done so many things with both of your sons, even dealing with the mental health issues um, that even come from the trauma with your oldest son. And your youngest son, like you've given them so much love, and needs, and understand understanding their needs, but also building your relationship together. That's yeah. what I think a mad woman is. It's like <laughs> not allowing the rejection, the yeah. you know, the people that are talking about you, or even just you know, just the question of as if you are unknown like Mm -hmm. you're human just like everybody else right like you're a woman yeah yeah. like so why does your sexual orientation or your status why does that even matter what why why Mm -hmm. should it matter like i'm a professional i'm a mother i'm a Mm -hmm. person Mm -hmm. like what should i call you well i'm a woman (laughs) i'm a mother (laughs) <laughs> like, I, I just I think those are some of the things that for me, I feel like even this podcast is really being able to allow other people <clears throat> to really understand just, you know, sometimes when you say things, you're really hurting people feelings and you just don't even know it. It's being able to have that sensitivity to know that because you don't know does not mean that it does not exist. And so I think I appreciate the fact that you even shared this part because me and Kelly talk all the time. <laughs> this is the part that Kelly didn't tell me, but Kelly said that Ann would probably tell me things that Kelly doesn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, you know, both of you all are amazing people. You're doing great work in the community. And for the community, it's just because they don't know, to really treat
2: you that way. That has to be very disheartening. Well, one more thing. Sometimes you get status with having children, though. (sighs) That's what I've noticed. Oh, wow. That sometimes your family, maybe, your close friends, maybe not your close friends, but your kind of superficial friends, Um, once you have children, they're like, wow, you really are like me.
1: Yeah, it, it's it, like a validation. It's a validation.
2: <laughs> like they make we didn't get you before you had children, but we get you now. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so that's always that's the other twist to this. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. So so now you are humanized. <laughs> you mm-hmm. are human. Yeah.
2: Right. And we can now mm-hmm.
0: say you're a woman because yeah. you're a mother. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Yeah. They. Cool. Um, <laughs> and I don't. I guess for me. I've never been somebody who gets my sense of self-worth from other people. I'm very comfortable in my own skin. But I've always been more of a, I would rather have somebody ask a ignorant question to me. And I'll tell you how I feel about it instead of, Asking somebody about me who doesn't have my experience and or who may not even be gay and they just know what they read in a book. Yes, so, exactly. I would rather. I'm okay with. I'm okay with the questions that seem so. You, you want it's to say really? Yes. Like really?
0: Yes. yes. <laughs> but you know, it, it's a thing of. I guess you know, and that's why I think you even being on this podcast today is to help the viewers really even understand that don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. To help them understand, like, these are the things where I'm a human just like you. Like, I have, you know, blood running through my veins, just <laughs> like you do. <laughs> so it's okay. Um Regardless, we mm-hmm. all, we're, but we're all different. I know, um, even with my daughter, we... <laughs> when she was in a wheelchair sometimes I would like when we would go sh- different places it would be the craziest things that people would say by her just being in a wheelchair yes and it would be one lady what she would and and I guess it's where they feel compelled to have to say something but it's okay if you just walk away or just say hey because <laughs> she's okay like she's yeah. okay either way right um but it was one time this lady walked up to her and she was just like, Oh my gosh, you're so pretty in your wheelchair. Oh my. And I'm like, Thank you. <laughs> and, I told, and I told and I told her there's nothing pretty about being in a chair. Mm-hmm. But it's not even ugly either. Mm-hmm. I was like, But Destiny, you okay. Mm-hmm. You are just like her. You just getting around a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And so those are the things that but if they're saying it to children if they're, and, and you know, even kids, when she would be in the malls and stuff, they would stare and I mm. would be so, so boiling in the inside. Like, I would be so, like, I would want to be like, uh, ma'am, can you, can you tell your child to turn around? Like, I mean, <laughs> she's not an alien, mm-hmm. she's a child, mm-hmm. just like kids, so mm-hmm. like, turn around. But she would just allow stuff like that to really just like brush off her shoulder. And so sometimes I would just be like, okay, diffuse it we're gonna move on (laughs) Mm -hmm. and we're just not gonna allow it to bother us but i i understand the frustration because i mean i'm just a mother with a child in a wheelchair and it's like we are from a different planet yes right Mm -hmm. i think that's what it is it's like they think we're from a different planet but what is being with what is a husband and a wife because now you have single parents, you have blended families.
1: And I You have think grandmas and grandpas raising ch- very small yes, children. And- exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that really it goes back into, I think, I know me and Kelly had this conversation is where do you find your strength? Mm-hmm. Just really understanding your faith, understanding who you get your hope from,
2: mm-hmm.
0: where your love comes from and not needing the validation.
1: Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we always, it, it's been a journey, it's been a challenge, but we laugh through it, like that's, <laughs> you laugh or you cry, <laughs> and so we choose to laugh. Hey, it's <laughs> and, the best <laughs> way. Yeah, <laughs> and so, um, but for me, I'm a mama's girl. Me too. Mama's girl. (laughs) Me too. And my mom just, she's just a nurturer. And so I just, she did what she had to do. I mean, I grew up in a home. My my mom and dad, I was the only kid who didn't have divorced parents. My mom and dad both worked. They had to juggle three of us. And Mm -hmm. so she just made her way. Mad and mad so I didn't. To, to yeah. yeah, so I so
0: you, did, you knew that mad woman. Like, it was instilled in you mm-hmm. as a child.
1: You do what you gotta do.
0: Yeah, move ahead with determination. Mm-hmm. Regardless, not allow circumstances, mm-hmm. situations to get you down. Mm-hmm. You keep moving. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Keep moving. I, I love it. I'm I, I'm the same way. I think even with when you say mom, mama's girl, I'm a mama's girl. Mm-hmm. My mother is half Hispanic. And black. So um, she named me Maria, but I went to black schools. I came home one day and said, mom, my name should be Keisha. <laughs> like, I mean, Maria just don't go with me. Like, my name should be Keisha. <laughs> and I really felt my name should be Keisha because I was dark skinned and my mom is like real light. Mm. And when my grandma came and picked me up, well, my grandma's your complexion. Mm. It was like, are you adopted? I would be like, no, mm-hmm. what is that? Mm-hmm. like? Because I didn't know. Mm-hmm. But I think my mom, at a very early age, she taught me really to just own who I was, be comfortable in my skin, mm-hmm. love who I was, and not allow others to take that away from me. And I think that's something that I've instilled in my children. And it's been instilled in me to where I now, in my profession... I could walk into a room with all white men and, and own it. And own it. And I have it. to own it mm-hmm. because I know who I am. Mm-hmm. I know why I was brought there. I know what I know. Mm-hmm. And these are the things that I feel that as women, we got to actually be able to own those. The insecurities are the things that actually stop us from being the mad women that we are. Mm-hmm. We got to own our truth. We got to own this, own own just the beauty of who we are as women Mm -hmm. and not allow others' fears, Mm -hmm. others' insecurities, insensitivities are just plain ignorance. Mm -hmm. Get us to the point of
2: breaking us down to where they want us to be. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I worked in a male-dominated field of police work. Yes. Mm-hmm. I did that yeah. for 10 years in Detroit. Yes. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a unique situation where I'm the only female maybe on my squad or uh, when I went to the suburbs in my department, I was the only female. And how you interact with the males that makes it okay. You know, um, you, you, maybe you're not your authentic self, I yes. found. Sure. I didn't find my authentic self until I actually left police work. Oh, wow. Because I felt more like I had to be one of the guys yeah. uh, to fit in. That's how they made you feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I enjoyed that career, but I do like who I am much better when I am my authentic self. Yeah.
0: And you're an amazing person. I know a lot of your coworkers workers and they always say, Kelly, she doesn't talk much. I said, no, Kelly does talk. Oh, she does. (laughs) Kelly's a very, very nice. Mm -hmm. And they were so surprised (laughs) for me to actually say that because I don't work with you, but we work together. (laughs) And we built a relationship because I have a background in criminal justice Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. But it was also where our relationship, even with our children and having to understand mental health, but I also understood the diversity, Mm -hmm. I understood the rejection. And so these are the things that I know just as women that, you know, those bonds, how our stories resonate, there are so many different levels, layers, that I can even say our story resonate.
1: And don't you find that interesting that women, when they sit down and talk together, Mm -hmm we have more connection but women tend to not support each other externally exactly but you close the doors and you have conversations and you find out you you really have a lot of commonalities and we should bolster each other and it's
0: and it's where we we know there are so many obstacles for women. We're still fighting so many things, trying to get those same validations.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: you're absolutely right, Ann. We need more women to want to actually build, bridge those gaps, mm-hmm. to actually be able to do what me and Anne, me, you, and Kelly are actually doing right now. Mm-hmm. To really share our story, to actually take the time to say, I'm not just gonna gravitate to the people I know, but also get to know other people mm-hmm. because I may learn more. Mm-hmm. Not because we're from the same social status or the same organizations, but because we're all women. There is some struggle because we have that one man mm-hmm. in front of us. Oh yeah. So I know that I appreciate everything that you're doing. I appreciate everything that you are continuing to do in the community, for others, as women, for your family. I appreciate the <coughs> love that you're giving these young boys a family structure. Regardless of what other people say, you're a mad woman. You'll continue to move <laughs> ahead with determination. Yeah. And that's what mad women do here. Thank you for joining our podcast. Please share it, and we look forward to seeing you again. Have a nice day.